and we're going to go to the verse 38. We've been in a series called The Best Life Ever. And I'm just so excited about all that God is doing. How many of you have been blessed in this time we've been doing this series? Nobody? Wow. Okay, okay. One, two. Thank you. Three, four. Praise God. Not just me. Uh, God has been just really speaking so strongly during this series. And I'm not saying that because I'm the one speaking. God is speaking to me. Just so many things that are making me reflect and rethink on how the Christian life is supposed to look like. And it's really challenging me to be and stretch myself more than I thought I could. Because how many know in these last days the world needs to see the real church? In these last days they need to see the true light of the world in our hearts. They need to see Jesus in our eyes. They need to hear him in our voices. They need to feel him when we shake their hand or when we hug them. They need to experience what we experienced this morning. Well, we, what you experienced this morning was not just goosebumps or nice sounding music. This was the presence of God kissing his church and spending time with his church. And how many of you know if people can get into this atmosphere, they can leave changed. They can leave changed and God can do great and mighty things in their heart. And I'm so thankful uh, for all that God's doing. I'm thankful for all of you for being here this morning. It's so good to see each and every one of you. I'm so glad to see the Harrisons are with us today. Well, I bless you guys. Thank you so much uh, for joining us here. Also, I have a very special announcement. I'm going to go ahead and do this before I forget. It's somebody's birthday today. And uh, I want to ask uh, Miss Christy Hotchkiss, a.k.a. we call her Heartbeat, if she would come on up. We have a, a birthday present for her. Can we give Christy a hand this morning? She does so much for this campus. We love her so much. We thank God for her. She does so much behind the scenes, cleaning and straightening up and organizing and running our first team here. But even more than that, she's a great teammate. She's a great prayer warrior. She's here every Sunday morning. She's not working, praying for each and every one of you and calling out to you and keeping in touch during the week with all of you. So, Christy. It's not, it's not as much as we would love to do for you, but we want to say thank you and happy birthday. Can we give her another hand? Thank you. We love you so much. Well-deserved and well-earned. Okay, let's jump back in. Turn in your Bibles to Becca, Matthew chapter, 30, chapter 5. There's no Matthew 38. But turn, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. Best life ever. We've been talking about different aspects of, of the Christian life. Best family, best marriage, best uh, temper and attitude, uh, best budget, um, having the best mindset. We've had all these different uh, messages on that. And today, God is challenging us to go to the next passage where Jesus covered um, in the Sermon on the Mount, another area of life that God wants us to take very, very seriously. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. You have heard it said, you have, excuse me, you have heard that it was said. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many of you ever heard that this morning? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Someone hurts you, hurt them back. Someone does something to you, do it back to them. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other one also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, then let them have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be called sons of your father who is in heaven 
For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only those, your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect. Everybody say perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. And this morning I want to talk to you about what's it, what does it look like if we, be, if we become the best friends ever. If we can be best friends ever. Will you be my friend this morning? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is sharp like a two-edged sword. I thank God that your word accomplishes that for which it is sent forth to accomplish, that it does not return empty. I thank you, God, that when you speak, Holy Spirit, there is power. I thank you, God, that by your word, we can be changed, God, that not a detail of your word will be done away with because you are a God that is everlasting to everlasting. Now, I pray, God, right now, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Show yourself strong this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you're already doing. We thank you for your love. Now help us learn how we can show that love to, all, to others and be truly best friends to everyone. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to remind you again this morning, when you see that word best, I'm not talking about having a BFF. I'm talking about can we be best in our friendships? Can we choose the best thing when it comes to friendship? Because that's what this whole series is about. The word for this year, 2024, is the word best. And God wants us to have his best for us. And God wants us to give our best forth to him. So this morning, I want to talk to you real quick about what it looks like when we act like truly the best friends that we can be to those around us. Because how many of you know this morning, this may seem like a really interesting and, and random topic, but how many believe that God created friendship? Friendship is very, very important to God. The Bible says in many different places about friends. Friendship is all through the scripture. And I want to tell, share something with you. We're talking about all these passages from the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' is basically kingdom living sermon. That if you live your life according to the principles that he spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount, you will have a kingdom lifestyle. You will live as if you are in the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God looks like this. That the kingdom of God marriage looks like what we talked about. In the kingdom of God, your temper should be what we talked about. In your kingdom of God, your budget should reflect the giving that we talked about. And there's a few more areas of, of ministry we're going to talk about as we build up to Resurrection Sunday and we build up to the best weekend ever. There's a little teaser, Easter. Uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday morning, the topic is the best weekend ever. Because how many believe when Jesus gave his life, was crucified, buried in a grave, and rose from the dead that first Easter Sunday morning, that truly was the best weekend ever for each and every one of us. And I believe with all my heart as we build towards that, God is trying to get us ready to be the church, the best church that he's called us to be for those around us and for our community. And so when we talk about kingdom living, there are kingdom principles that just work. You've heard me say a few of them already in the past several weeks. But let me tell you one kingdom principle. That you reap what you sow. That's a kingdom principle. 
If you invest into someone's life, you will reap back from their life. If you invest your tithe and your offering into the kingdom of God, God will bless you financially of your gift. That's a kingdom principle. Here's another kingdom principle. Do unto others as you would have them do back to you. The golden rule, as I learned in Royal Rangers. That's a kingdom principle. It just works. Here's another one that we're going to talk about today. If you want to have friends, anybody want to finish it? Show yourself friendly. Be a friend. That's a kingdom principle. God set that up. If you want to reap friends, you need to sow friendship. Are you with me today? So we're going to talk about today what kind of friendship should we be sowing to others. And I want you to break out of this model of treating your circle of friends better. Jesus right up front negated that and said, if you only do this to those who do it back to you, what reward do you get out of that? What blessing will you get out of that? The sinners, the tax collectors, the Gentiles, they do that. Jesus is talking to Israel saying, you have heard it said, hate the enemy, but love your neighbor. And I say to you, negate that. Whatever love you want given to you, give that out. To others. So be the best friend ever to everybody. To everybody. Well, Pastor David, I don't feel like they've earned my friendship yet. I'm so glad my salvation was not based on what I earned because I would never make it to heaven. And I'm so glad the, the blessings of God and the fruits that God is producing in my life are not based on a merit system or an earning system because I would never get anything from God. God chooses to love me because simply God loves me. In the same way, our friendship to other people needs to be not out of an act of, if they'll be my friend, then I'll be a friend. No, God did not say, if you love me, then I'll love you. The Bible says God first loved me. And if we are children of God, and if we are the sons and daughters of God, then that means we don't wait on them to be our best friends. We extend friendship. Being best friends. Are you with me this morning? I know this is, I know a lot of these messages, y'all start off with me and you're like, where in the world is this going? But how many know at the end of the message, all these messages, you're taking home kingdom principles that, that you can apply to your life and they just work. They just work. How many of you can lift your hands right now and say, Pastor David, I've done one or two things you've preached about in this series and they're working. They're working in my life. And I can tell you, if you do this today as well, it will work. I can tell you from experience, from years of applying it, it just works. Because the kingdom of God, praise the Lord, is not based on how white, the White House in Washington is doing. And the kingdom of God is not based on how NATO is doing or how the UN is doing. That the kingdom of God goes beyond people and beyond physical relationships and beyond economical status and beyond political relationships and upon all other religion relationships. The kingdom of God supersedes all of that. And when all of this fails, it never does. Are you hearing me this morning? I guess not. All right, well, I'm going to keep going anyway. If you don't talk back to me, I don't know if you're listening. So please, let me know you're listening. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. All through the Bible, God talks about friendship. The Bible says that when it came to Abraham, God called him a friend of God. When we go to the life of Moses, he said, of other prophets and, and, and kings, I spoke to through dreams and visions. But when it came to Moses, we spoke face to face because he was my friend. The Bible calls David the man after God's own heart. 
that David had a relationship with God that few men and women have ever had. And God would call David his friend. So much so, if you read the life of David, David's prayer times to God, especially through the Psalms, you can tell David had such a connection and a relationship with God that we should all strive to have. That literally, if going on past David's life, when David died and went to be with God, all throughout the rest of the life, you'll see God talk about, if you will obey and keep my law like my servant David did. To all, the, all those who followed him, God kept going. David was the standard. You live and be like David, you will get the blessings I gave to him. That means God looked at David's life and said, that's a friend. I'm not going to forget about him. And then when we fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus calls his disciples and calls those close to him, he says, I have not called you servants. I'm calling you friends. Friendship matters to God. There's a level of intimacy and a level of loyalty and a level of blessing that you cannot get with someone until you truly establish, that's my friend. There's a friendship here. And how many of you know this morning, God wants us to have friendship with him so we can reap all the blessings he wants to give to us. But with that same thing, because we have, fully, we have truly received, we have to truly give. We have to give out of what we are receiving from God. So the first thing I want to tell you about this morning, if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, here's number one. God calls us to be merciful friends. Merciful friends. Right up front, Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. There's no mercy in that statement. That means I do what I do back to you exactly what you did to me. No mercy. Every time I hear that phrase, no mercy, you know what I think of? Karate kid. No mercy. No compassion. You, he, he hits you in the leg, you break his. No mercy. But how many know in this world, people are good at showing no mercy. If God calls us and dares us to be different, then we should lead with mercy. I told all of you a few weeks ago when it came to the Ark of the Covenant, the resting place where God's presence dwelled in the tabernacle and in the temple, the box was judgment. The lid that covered it was mercy. Mercy always trumps judgment in the hands of God. Mercy always supersedes judgment in the kingdom of God. I firmly believe with all my heart, the Bible says God's arm is not too short to save. With his strong hand, he reaches out. God's strong hand, God's dominant hand, that's mercy. His left hook is judgment. But God always leads with mercy. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? How many are thankful that when it came to sin and us trying to live this Christian life, God doesn't lead with judgment on your life. God always leads with mercy. Because he's a good father. God calls us to be merciful friends. You've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Don't push them away. Don't stiff arm them. Just because they hurt you, don't push them. Don't, don't, tur don't turn back to them. Don't step away from them. But if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other one. Pastor David, I've heard that my whole life. Yeah, how many times have we actually done it? Every time I go to work, they make my life miserable. All right. Turn the cheek. Well, every time I try to be nice to them, they're mean to me. 
Turn the cheek. You know how I can, you know why I can say that and why Jesus can say that? Because when it came time for Jesus to back up his words, he didn't say a word. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he closed his mouth and he let them have their way with him. And he still said on the cross, Father, forgive them. What was he doing? He was turning the cheek. Jesus means what he says. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. We got some people in this room that understand how the law works. They don't want just what they have on paper. They want to go deeper and get as much as they can out of you. So here's what Jesus is saying. Just offer it right up front. If, if, you, if someone feels like you've done them wrong or someone's coming after you unjustly, just give them above what they're asking for right up front. Kill them with kindness, my grandmother would say. What are, you, what are you saying, Pastor David? What I'm saying is be different than what the world would be to that person. Make them have to take a step back and go, this does not make sense. Where is this coming from? Why are they acting this way? Why are they showing mercy? Why are they turning the cheek? Why are they giving me more than I'm even after in their life? Because why, church? This is not what we base our wealth in. This stuff is not what we measure, how blessed we are. We are blessed according to the riches in Christ Jesus. If you drain my bank account today, God forbid if a hacker got into my bank account and drained it down to zero today, would it scare me for a second? But then you know what I would quickly remember? Wait a second. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. So take what you need to take from me. Take what you want to take from me. I firmly believe once I upgrade my internet security, after that, those zeros are going to fill back up in time because God never lets his children go hungry. He's my source. He's my provision. So hurt me if you want. Take from me what you want. Steal from me if you want. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to give me life abundantly, and he will take care of me. Are you hearing me today? And I'm only saying that with faith and with boldness because I'm trying to bring encouragement to you. It's so much harder to leave this platform and live that Monday through Saturday as it will be for you. But I'm telling you, church, we have to have that attitude in these times. Why? Because no one sees it. How many people do you know right now in even our church in even the world of the church, Christians you interact with that have that mentality. It's rare. That's why Jesus said, wide is the path that leads to destruction. Many are on it. The narrow path that leads to life, very few will find it. It's rare. Can I tell you a humbling thought right now? Heaven ain't going to be as crowded as we think it's going to be. There are a lot of people that think they're on that pathway, but if you watch their life, there's not much kingdom living. There's not much faith. There's not much trust. There's not much love. There's not much peace. There's not much joy. Why? Because they're trying to live it in the flesh and not live it by the Spirit. And if we try to live it by the flesh, we won't be able to do it. If we live it by the Spirit, we are the sons and daughters of God. Are you hearing me today? We got to be merciful. We've got to be, first off to them, merciful, compassionate, showing them that we do not value what they're trying to do to us, that it does not matter 
They can smack me. They can steal from me. They can hurt me. They can lie about me. They can spread rumors about me. They can try to cripple me. Jessica and I can tell you story after story after story of our times in the ministry where the people we thought had our back and the people we thought loved us and the people we thought protected us and the people we thought were going to help us do ministry were the very ones who stabbed us in the back. We're the very ones who betrayed us. We're the very ones who said negative things about us. We're the very ones who we thought they're going to be there when we need their help. And when we needed help, they were nowhere to be found. And in those moments, God looks at you and says, okay, what's your attitude going to be? Because they have forsaken you. I haven't. They've turned their backs on you. I haven't. They've stolen from you. I haven't. They've hurt you. I haven't. Is your trust and your identity and your joy and your peace based in what they do or in what I do? Are you hearing me today? So show mercy. Pray for those who mistreat you. Number two, we need to be generous friends. Generous friends. Generosity is a mark of God's children because your God is a generous God. How many are thankful this morning that God doesn't want to just meet your needs barely? God wants to bless you. The Heavenly Father is a blessed God. God, How many can say with firm acclamation, God has done more in my life than I deserve. And God has done more in my life than I could have ever earned. That God has blessed me exceedingly above and beyond what I could have ever thought or imagined. Because that's the character of our Father. In the same way, He expects His children to show forth that same character and be generous to those around us. Jesus explained it like this. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Pastor David, what's he talking about there? In this culture, the Romans had power over Israel. Y'all know this. So they were in control. And it was very common for a Roman soldier who was on a journey to force an Israelite to carry his armor or carry his travel bag. And according to the law of Rome, they could only demand they do it for one mile. So if a Roman wanted an Israelite to carry his bag, he could only ask him to carry it legally for one mile. And then when that mile was over, the Israelite would hand the bag back to the, bag back to the Roman soldier. And probably what 90% of Roman soldiers did, they may have looked and said, okay, thank you. Your turn. Let's go. And they would force them to carry the bag for a mile. And Jesus is saying here, you're under captivity. You're being oppressed. You're being forced into slavery. You're being forced to do something that is demeaning and that is reserved for a donkey to do. He's treating you basically like an animal. But here's what you're going to do. When he asks you to take that bag for one mile, say, sir, if it's okay with you, I'll carry it another one. I'll take it two miles. And I bet Jesus would even go into detail later and go, can you go three? Can you walk four? How far from your house are you? How far can you go? And don't you know that every Roman soldier who had a disciple of Jesus do that must have been like, no one else does this. Everybody else throws the bag on my feet and runs. This guy wants to go two miles. This guy wants to go three miles. This doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. 
You're volunteering today and you don't want to just serve the allotted time slot. You want to serve all day. Well, wait a second. We're stacking up and tearing down chairs after the, after the night to shine. You want to come every night, not just one night? Wait a second. Multiply conference is coming. You want to be here all the sessions, not just one? What are you doing? You're going the extra mile. That's what it came from. That's why we use that phrase. You're going above and beyond what's expected of you. And Jesus is saying this is generosity. This is the person who shows up early and stays late. This is a person that isn't sitting by the clock in and clock out clock. (laughs) We're not supposed to be that person. This is the football player who stays after practice and runs the drill again. This is that student that already has an A in the class, but they're not satisfied until they get 100 in that class. This is the person that wants to go the extra mile, wants to not just be accepted. They want to be exceptional. Do you want to be accepted? Or do you want to be exceptional? One of my favorite quotes in the whole world. You know what the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is? Extra. Those who are extraordinary give extra than those who are ordinary. How many believe that God is an extraordinary God? How many believe that Jesus is an extraordinary Jesus? And therefore, you and I should be extraordinary people. Are you with me today? You can write that down. That's a good quote. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. How many of you have ever had somebody in your life that you hate it when they come around because they always need something? Can I borrow your lawnmower? Can I borrow your weed eater? Can I borrow your hole digger? Can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? Hey, can you give me this? Hey, can I have five bucks? Can I have ten bucks? Hey, can you take me to dinner? Or, or worse, here's my favorite. They invite you to dinner and then they expect you to pay. <laughs> Some of you are laughing under your breath right now because you know exactly who I'm talking about. But to those people, this is what Jesus is saying. Show them love. Show them friendship. Give to whoever borrows from you. Why? Because he's got you covered. He's got you covered. I firmly believe with all my heart, if anyone, if anyone takes resources from you, that's an opportunity for you to believe God is going to fill the need that you just created. I firmly believe with all my heart. We should be at all times walking around with extra ready to give. I can tell you story after story of my granddad who pastored my church for over 40 years. That, that man who, uh, his messages are dropping now on a, on a podcast I'm curating for him. So you can go online and hear his messages. If you follow my profile on Facebook, you'll see it. And I encourage you to go listen. This man's a mighty man of God. But he always walked around with extra money in his wallet because he wanted to be a blessing whenever the opportunity came. And he always walked around with about, okay, I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to give you all a window into, our, into my life. Growing up, there was a squad of men in my home church that we called the candy crew. Because they always had mints, and, um, and they always had Tic Tacs, and they always had Lifesavers, and they always had these things. Why? Because they prayed with people often, and so they never wanted their breath to smell bad. And every single Sunday when Children's Church let out, me and my friends made a run for the candy crew. And I can tell you who never did not have Tic Tacs in his pocket was my papa. And he could have easily said, y'all, th- th- this isn't for you. This is for me during altar time. He could go through four or five boxes a Sunday 
Because we had so many kids in our kids' ministry. But he did not care. And he built up this reputation. And I can tell you for firsthand right now, so many men and women my age that were kids in that church looked to him as a man who needs to be modeled after and loved after because he always had a smile and he was always generous to us. And we'll never forget that. When people think about you, do they see a smile and a generous heart? Or do they know, don't call them, they're not going to help you. Don't call them. You're, they'll feel like you're wasting their time. They're always in a bad mood. They, they're never willing to help. They, they, trust me, they don't volunteer for things. They, 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 don't, they don't give very much. They, they, they don't sow very much. They're not big on missions. Don't, don't, don't bother them. What reputation do you want? I know what I want. I want to be the person that's at the top of everybody's serve list. Call David. He'll be there. He'll help. And not because I'm a pushover, because my heart is to be generous. My heart is to serve and help others. Are you with me today? Number three, unconditional friends. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Lord, give me grace for this one. Unconditional friends. Jesus goes on in Matthew 5, verse 43. He talks about it. He says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So for me, love the Auburn fans as much as the Alabama fans. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Look at this. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Wow. How many of you ever heard the term fair weather friend? I have. They're your friend when everything's good in your life. They're not your friend when things are not up to their level of happiness. They're your friend when everything's going great, but then when you go through a difficult time or a dark season or you go through a test or a trial, they don't text you as much or they don't call you as much or they don't necessarily come to the funeral or they don't necessarily bring you uh, or offer to take you out to dinner or, or whatever. And what does that do? You immediately begin thinking, then what does my friendship in them really mean? Because they call me a friend, but they're not showing friendship. Are you hearing me today? But how many know that one of God's traits is God has agape love? Agape, if you don't know what that means, A-G-A-P-E with a little slash over the E. Agape, which means unconditional. God is an unconditional loving God. No matter how evil my heart may be or how righteous my heart may be, the needle of God's love for me never moves. He loves me the same. Whether Jesus was looking at a Roman soldier who just drove a nail through his hands or looking at his servant John who was the only faithful of the 12 to make it all the way to the cross and not be unashamed to kneel at his feet of the cross. Jesus looked at both and his love for both was the same. Unconditional. My brothers and my sisters, this is the hardest part of being what the world needs us to be. Because it is so hard 
in the seasons of our life where we're going through it to keep giving friendship. It's so hard to go through the seasons of our life where even when we're the ones bleeding financially, we're the first to turn and give. Or when we're the ones going through the emotional distress, we're the ones that are still trying to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Let me give you an example. You just lost your job and your friend got a promotion. Your gut is for them to come down to your place and weep with you. But Jesus is saying they may do that, but if they don't do that, rejoice with them in their time of rejoicing. Pastor David, I just got laid off. They just got promoted. How is it natural to do that? It's not. You need supernatural help. Are you with me today? You have to rely on something greater than you, on a grace that you don't deserve, on a power that is unnatural, that is something greater than the flesh you walk in every day. You've got to rely on the power of the Spirit inside of you. And if you glean back and lean on the power of the Spirit inside of you, the grace to do what you need to do will be found. Every time. Every time. I'm speaking from experience here. It is so hard to go to work and look someone in the eyes that you know is trying to get you fired. It is so hard to go and serve under a boss that his mission is to make your life miserable. It is so hard to go to a family reunion and see that person that you know wishes they were at your funeral right now. It's hard. But in those moments, I have to glean and remember, wait a second, God never changes his love to me. So I cannot be like the world and change my standard of love based on how I'm being treated. I have to show the same love that God shows me to everyone, no matter how they're treating me. So my allies and my enemies get the same love from God because God gives me the same love. For when I was his enemy, he loved me. And while I was still a sinner, Romans 5.8, Christ still died for me. Are you hearing me today? unconditional friends to this world around us. It's not easy. It's not expected. They won't see it coming. And that's the beauty of it. How, no matter how much they throw at you, no matter how much they ridicule you, no matter how much they try to mistreat you, no matter how many wrong things they say, no matter how many lies about you they tell, no matter how much they try to hurt you, no matter how much they try to fight you, no matter how much they try to break you down. And why are they doing that, Pastor David? Because they want to see that you're just like them. If I break them down enough, they'll mess up. They'll start cursing. They'll start falling away. They'll quit going to church. They'll fall back in their old vices. They'll go back to the alcohol like I drink. They'll go back to the drugs like I do. They'll go back to the relationships like I'm in. I want to make sure there's nothing real about this Jesus they say they live for. That's why they do it. People don't want to come up to your standard. They want to bring you down to theirs. And how do they do that? By testing you by trying to break you, 
by trying to mistreat you, by trying to ridicule you. But if you can lean on the God of your heart, if you can lean on the king who called you, if you can lean on the one who gives you grace, if you can lean on the one who calls you by name, if you can lean on the one who is your shelter, who is your refuge, who is your strong tower, who you can run into and be safe, who you can dwell under the shadow of his wings, if you can run to him and cling to him and say, God, I can't do this. So you're going to have to do it through me. He'll do it every time. He'll do it. He'll raise you up. He'll give you grace. He'll give you mercy. He'll give you his eyes. And you'll see past the deeds. And you'll see past the wickedness. And you'll see see past what's being done or said to you. And you'll see right through all of it. And you'll see a hurting heart. And a broken heart. And a lost heart. And a person who desperately needs what you have. Are you hearing me today? And if you can push past all of that and see that heart that needs Jesus and be an unconditional friend to that person, sooner or later, my brothers and my sisters and those of you watching online, sooner or later, God's love will wear them down. It will wear them down. Can I please see another witness in this room that has experienced this? God's love broke through barriers that I could not break through. God's love tore through walls that I could not tear through. God's love broke through mindsets and words for years of abuse of whatever. God saved a person that I never thought could be saved. Why? Because God's love, like we sang about today, there's nothing higher, there's nothing farther, there's nothing greater, there's nothing deeper. The love of God is the most powerful thing in this year universe and it never fails so let the unconditional love of God live in your heart finally this morning Aubrey would you come number four be a godly friend be a godly friend Matthew 5 verse 48 Jesus' last verse on this topic You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If you look at the translation of that word, you'll see the word holy. Peter even goes into detail and says, you must be holy as your God, your father is holy. Pastor David, what does holy mean? How many of you ever, lift your hand if you've ever heard the word holy before? Everybody? Okay. The word holy is a a word we use a lot in the church. A lot of people maybe don't even really know what it means. The word holy means the cut above. It's It's a seamstress term. It's derived from the time when they would take fabric and they would take a a fabric that was so perfect and so priceless and so rare that they would set it aside and only use it for specific things. Only the king wears this fabric. Only the queen wears this fabric. It's a cut above all the other fabrics. Are you following me? This, this, it's what we see in the Old Testament, the tabernacle. This incense that was burned on the altar of incense in the tabernacle. You could not burn this incense in your tent with your family. This incense was made with only one purpose, to burn in the presence of the Lord. You could not take up a sample of it home. If a person took a sample of it home, their whole tent would be cursed. 
It has to be burned only here. Why? It is holy to the Lord. It is reserved to the Lord. So when Jesus is saying, be holy, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect, and then Peter says in his letter, church, be holy as your Father is holy. What are we supposed to glean from this? Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you say, remember, we reflect Him. We reflect Him. Did you know that, you, that, an, that a monkey was not made in God's image? A chimpanzee does not reflect the face of God. No fish in the sea reflects the face of God. No serpent or lizard or amphibian or insect reflects the face of God. They reflect his creativity and his power. They don't reflect his face. When it came time to reflect God's face, the Trinity came together and said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. What template was used to make a man? Could it be the one, my brothers and sisters, who has always looked like a man? Could it be the Savior, Jesus the Son, who from the beginning of time has always resembled a man? Otherwise, what, how could the template have been formed? In whose image was arms, a head, torso, midsection, legs, feet, hands? What template was used to create the first man? if it was not made in his image? What spirit was put inside of that first man if not the Holy Spirit? And what creativity and mind and power and influence was put inside the soul of that first man if not of our Father? My brothers and my sisters, you and I reflect the image of a creator. We reflect the image and the heart and the voice of God. So when we walk through this life every day and we engage with people and we talk with people and we interact with people and we show generosity and we show love and we show unconditional love and we show forth the glory of God in our lives, what are we doing? We're reflecting the image of Him. We're being holy as our Father is holy. And what I want you to see out of this is being holy does not mean you can quote a scripture all day long. Being holy does not mean you pray 30 hours a week. Being holy does not mean you give above and beyond what everybody else gives. Being holy has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with who you are. Real holiness is mopping the floor when a baby throws up. Real holiness is seeing a need of a broken person and helping them meet that need. Real holiness is putting together care packages for homeless people. Real holiness is weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Real holiness is looking for those who are broken and coming alongside of them and encouraging them in the Lord. Real holiness is looking through the hurt and the pain of those who are mistreating you to the heart of that person who is hurting you and saying, I know what you're going through right now, and I want to pray for you. This does not make sense. 
Pastor David, they are hurting me. They're abusing me. They're trying to take my job. They're trying to make my job miserable. They're, 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 they've run out on me. They've turned their back on me. Maybe some of you, it's your own family, your own children, your own grandchildren. Pastor David, they want nothing to do with me. Okay. At one time, you and I wanted nothing to do with him either. And God still first loved us and sent somebody into your life to show you what love was and to show you how the love of God is greater than anything this world could do to you. And the love of God is greater than anything this world could say to you. And the love of God is greater than any misfortune or pain you may go through. There's something always greater and it's God's love. So each and every day, church, would you stand with me? We need to show that love to God. Stand to your feet this morning. We are less just right out a month actually a month and a couple of days from Easter Sunday Resurrection Sunday and I gave you all a challenge to be praying for God to give you an opportunity to invite someone and work on them and pray for them find a way of invitation to bring them on Resurrection Sunday. Do you not think the moment that you accepted that challenge, if you did, the enemy was going to sit back and go, all right, I lost this one. He's going to fight you every day. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to hurt you. He's going to turn people against you. He's going to make life miserable for you. Why? Because you've accepted an opportunity to be holy to extend the love and invitation of God to someone else who needs it. It's time for us to turn the tables on the enemy and say, I don't care what you do. My God is greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And I don't care what you do. I will love unconditionally. I will show mercy. I will show compassion. I will show generosity. You can't stop me, enemy, from being God to this world around me.